Welcome back to the coach's table. Wow, it's been a while, hasn't it? <laughs> Adam's mad at me, guys. I'm not mad. I'm just a little uh, perturbed, to say the least. Let's go ahead and turn that volume down on that mic a little bit. Okay. Is this better? Good? That works. Good. No, not not mad. Just a little perturbed. You know, Coach Dan decided to go solo for a bit, which is totally fine. You know, pardon the frustration. How about pardon me being a little upset? But uh, it's okay. We're back, guys. And uh, I think we're more stronger than ever. Coach, don't you agree? That's a good way to put it. Why the hesitation in that? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> you look up right there. Um, Coach, why don't you um, t- tell the viewers uh, what the topic for today is? Uh, on the whiteboard, it says, topic for Coach's Table, Olympic <laughs> lifting, in parentheses. Why would the topic go in parentheses? Just just let me be, okay? I just wanted to just, in parentheses, not parentheses, that's parentheses, isn't it? Oh, no, quotations, sorry. Yeah, parentheses, Olympic weightlifting. That's the topic. Okay, quotations might have been, yeah, whatever. Why, wait, why quotations, real quick? Well, if you're, <laughs> if you're putting, if you're listing out a topic, why would you put the topic in parentheses? That's normally how you do it, don't you? If no, you're doing like a PowerPoint, so, all right, all right, topic fine, for fine. Quote, yeah. forget it. Quotation. Sorry, I was you know trying to be fancy there, but yeah, uh, Olympic weightlifting. I was you know it was funny because I was uh, working out today and uh, I was doing a little run on the treadmill and uh, just thought to myself, you know what? I think today would be a good day to a little bit farther up, better down, down. good, awesome. Yeah. Um, so like I was saying, I was uh, on the treadmill just running and I thought to myself, you know what? Let me reach out to Dan, see if he's available, just to start our podcast back up and see if we can uh, talk about uh, Olympic lifting, just because it's been sort of a topic of discussion as we've been you know, passing by each other and watching each other's uh, clients and whatnot. Well, I would say more me watching you train your clients, because you're very heavily involved with uh, regards to Olympic lifting and the clientele that you train. Is that correct? I'd say so. I try to get a lot of them involved as early as I can. So I'd agree with that, yeah. How early would you say you implement that type of training into your athletes' programs? Uh, I mean, it's very dependent on the athlete, I think. Gotcha. Um, But if I am comfortable with their front rack and how they front squat, then like, I'll start it that day. Awesome. Yeah, because that sort of leads into the first like question is like, I guess for the most part, like, the, the is it beneficial? Um. Stood withstood the test of time. Now, do you? So my here's my viewpoint, and then obviously I'll let you interject, and you say, uh, you know, everything you have to say in regards to that. I think there is benefit to it. At the same time, too, it's what again, like you had mentioned, like depend upon the athlete and what are we trying to get out of our athletes when we do that type of exercise. Now, if we happen to have an athlete that has potential to play at the next level, that being college or you know even you know in a professional setting as well too then yeah I, I think there is benefit to implementing that type of uh excuse me um the type of exercise into one of our athletes programs at the same time too like you had mentioned depending upon the athlete i think a lot of the working in the private sector we deal with a lot of different variety of athletes with different backgrounds different injuries different uh modalities and stuff like that so it's sort of difficult for us as coaches i feel like not saying that we can't but i feel like it's difficult at the same time too i think it's also can be risky to implement that i'm playing devil's advocate here in a way because i also didn't see that there's a lot of benefit in implementing uh, weightlifting, what would you what would you say in counter argument to that? Well, 
with any exercise, with any lift, there's going to be a level of risk. True. Um, error in any lift, there's going to be risk. If there's errors in the Olympic lifts, are the risks greater? Sure, probably. Um, but as your coach, it's, your, it's up to you to mitigate that. It's up to you to coach that. It's up to you to control that. Gotcha. So, for example, like I said, if I'm comfortable with their front rack and their front squat, then I will start progressing them into a hang clean, right? Or, you know, power shrug prior to actually catching the bar. But if I'm not comfortable with them in that position, I'm not going to throw them in there because they already have one risk factor that's right in your face. Gotcha. So it's really up to the coach to mitigate that. But no matter what you do, if you do a bodyweight squat, there's a risk factor. Granted, very low in comparison. But no matter what you do, any type of movement, there's always going to be a risk factor. Absolutely. So I guess that leads me into my next question. When you're working with athletes and you feel that they're comfortable, you know, or you want to implement that type of uh, exercise into the program, you had mentioned that you first first things first, you look at the front squat and how you know they hold the bar in the rack position and such. Is that pretty much the precursor of how you analyze and break down whether or not you know okay they have a good front squat, they have a good front rack position. All right, now let's go to step two, which may be a power shrug or, you know, doing you know, different uh, progressions on the hand clean. Like, how would you sort of break down, I guess, the way you structure the development, quote unquote, of, you know, a proper hand clean or just a regular power clean? Well, for me personally, and I think it's, it's pretty popular, I always start from the top down. So assuming the front rack, front squat's all good, I'm going to start with a power shrug. And then I'll progress them a little lower at the power shrug and then work into the catch after that. So then once they're catching, they're in the hang position, then, you know, they start to... I don't want to use the word master the hang position because it can take a very long time to master these lifts. Of course. You know, I myself, I don't consider myself a master of the lift. I think I can coach it very well, but I can still critique the shit... At, oh, we can curse, right? Yeah. I can absolutely. still critique the shit out of myself because I know I'm not perfect in the lift. Yeah. Right. So there's it takes a long, long time. There's always going to be something wrong. It's just a matter of the degree. And then obviously the again, is there a risk in how can it be done more efficiently or is it just plain bad? Yeah. You understand what I mean? So I'll start top down, start from the hang. They get better at the hang. Start now they're pulling from below the knee use blocks a lot because I think blocks is an underused tool, I feel like. And then ultimately, it's very rare that I have them pull from the floor for the most part because, you know, in my opinion, I don't think there's a full need for it. But Why I'll drop that? them down just because there's a lot of mobility involved there, right? And I think you're talking about risk factor in the lift. The risk factor increases with the range of motion, right? Absolutely. So in my opinion... I'm comfortable with them pulling off of six-inch blocks, and I don't feel a need to necessarily. You're still going to get the power output, the maximum power output. You're still getting the same thing, and you're taking away some of the range of motion, making it slightly safer. I was going to say, and also in correlation to that, I feel like when we're talking about like prime movers and the carryover to athletics, like when in reality uh, are we going to see athletes in that type of low position? Meaning, you know, from that too. you know, from the floor. So now obviously from six if, Yeah, obviously if you have an athlete that's looking to compete in Olympic wave that's it's different. A different story, but ninety nine point ninety nine percent of the athletes in this building are field sport athletes or track and field athletes Absolutely. or whatever. So um obviously I mean that's also a big reason to why. So exactly what you're saying is now do I think 
if they are crushing it and completely mobile and able to get to the pull from the floor level, I'm not going to not have them do it. But I'm not, you know, I, if I'm comfortable with a six-inch block or maybe even a three-inch block, I'm good there. I don't have to go any further than that. Now, just going, I like how you sort of broke everything down and how you obviously structure it and, like, I guess the use of it, too, like using the blocks and such. Now, I'm a huge believer, too, in, again, I don't want to sound like I'm knocking on Olympic lifting, but I'm going to play at devil's advocate. But I'm a huge believer in plyometrics, you know, medicine ball work and stuff like that. You know, I, I know you and I have sort of texted over this or messaged on IG in regards to this, me sending you videos or whatnot. But, like, what's really the difference doing you know a hand clean versus doing like a heavy medi- uh, medicine ball vertical toss so obviously if you're doing a medicine ball toss you're releasing the ball mm-hmm. all right there's no um there's no eccentric or you're not absorbing load right which is huge in sport Love that, yeah. right high speed eccentrics huge in sport so when you're when you're pulling weight let's say you're pulling a power clean off a six inch block you have that initial explosion Right, and then essentially your body's almost at rest, but then you got to turn on again really fast to absorb and catch that load. So I think that's there's a huge carryover for sport there. And then another thing, in my opinion, you can never progress med balls the same way you can progress Olympic lifts. Right, at a certain point, I mean, how heavy of a med ball are you going to look to go? At a certain point, it's just you know, I think it's a lot easier to progress an Olympic lift. Okay, now let me ask you this. So you talk about that high speed eccentric. Now, let's say I implement, uh, do a combination of a depth jump to a vertical medicine ball toss. So drop, drop down, get into that high speed eccentric load to that amortization phase, and boom, shoot straight up and then release. Now, I understand where you're talking about the load itself, that being a huge factor too. But now I'm implementing that high speed eccentric, and at the same time, I'm not saying it's completely injury preventative, but at the same time, too, there's a lot less risk in doing something like that versus trying to catch a bar. Because you've seen athletes before, not yours, but like you've seen, whether it be on YouTube or even at you know the gym, you know some athletes that try to dip under the bar and then you know just clips them where they can't seem to get the bar up and stuff like that. So like, what would you say, you know, in counter argument to that? So, yes, I wouldn't say there's more or less risk. I would say there's different risks. I like that okay. because. We, there's obvious risks in Olympic lifts, and again, like I said, it's up to the coach to mitigate that. When you're doing a depth drop, holding a med ball, I love that. I've done it before. The risks on the landing are there, right? Depending on the weight of the med ball, depending are they first of all are they able to land without a load, right? Assuming they are, that's why they're holding the med ball. Yeah, there's still that. risks there as well, right? And then that transfer of force from absorbing the ground to transferring the force to releasing the med ball, there's risk there as well. You can make arguments whether or not it's to the same degree, greater degree, less degree as the med- as the uh, Olympic lifts, but again, I think it's up to the coach to really determine that. Right? True. So if you're if you're performing any exercise and the athlete is struggling big time with the movement, struggling big time with their positioning, well, I think that's on the coach. Maybe the athlete wasn't ready for that. Why are they struggling to that degree where the risk factor is that high? True. I guess it's just at that point in time, like you mentioned, just the coach and seeing what type of, I guess, linear progression you can do with that type of athlete. Now, going into, I guess, a little bit more of a complex lift in the realm of weightlifting, you know, I want to talk about snatches. I hate them. I hate them for athletes. 
I hate that I see some colleges try to implement them. Mm-hmm. I think when I see them try to implement them and I see their athletes do it, it is god awful. And there's just waiting to tear like a labrum or something like that. Clean, fine. Even if for, for a push press, I'm okay after doing something like that. With obviously in a controlled manner uh, uh, when relating to load. But snatches, like why? Like I, I, I gave you shit one time when I saw one of your high-level athletes, Avery Song. Shout out to Avery. Chicago University, right? Mm-hmm. Lacrosse? University of Chicago. Excuse me. University of Chicago Lacrosse. I saw her do it. Mind you, form was pretty, pretty solid. But immediately I saw and I went up to you and I was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Please explain, coach. Please. I'm pretty much on the same page as you. I don't hate snatches. I love snatches. But I don't see a need for them in the majority of the athletes that we coach. What do you say majority? There's that You're still saying there's like a percentage that still can do them. What? So the, I've only coached and taught the snatch to three total athletes in my entire career. Avery you, Song being one of them. Okay. Alana Goldsmith being another one who is, in my opinion, obviously super biased, has the best clean in the building. Um, Behind me, but thank you. <laughs> and Max Wyatrack is the other one. Out of those three, so just so the viewers know, Avery Song, uh, collegiate um, lacrosse player, Alana Goldsmith, very high-level high school uh, soccer player, and then Max Wyatrack, high-level high school football player. Out of those three, I could see one of them being, and again, this is not based off of sex or anything like that, but like Max Wyatrack because of the sport of football Mm -hmm. and how like that variation of triple extension, obviously – Working on that, you know, I guess, I don't even know, know what you would really call it in regards to that because you still get the triple extension from a hand clean. But I guess for that more, quote unquote, hate using this term, explosive mo- movement, yeah, I could see for him. But why the other two? Well, for one, and this is a no disrespect to Max at all. Max is a phenomenal athlete. He has a great clean. Out of those three, he had the worst snatch. The catching. Yes, simply because of his overhead mobility. Now, the reason why I had Avery snatch was, one, she was crushing the clean. And literally, it was nothing more than me as a coach wanting to see if, one, can she do it. The load was very light. We were were with a training bar. And then when we got up to the full-size bar, we didn't put weight on the bar. It just stayed with the bar. So she didn't go more than 45 pounds. And... It was also a deload week for her, so I was still trying to get a stimulus, but away from the movements that she was used to doing. But let me ask you this. So I was challenging her physically, obviously, yeah. but also challenging her nervous system a lot greater while decreasing the amount of load because, you know, Avery can clean over 105. I think she got up to close to 115 pounds on her clean. She was doing 45 pounds on a snatch. So... The intensity is high still because her nervous system's being stimulated because it's a, a same but new movement, right? Yes. But the intensity is also decreased at the same time because the amount of load is, like, cut by a third. Absolutely. And f- fair enough. But now, now let me ask you this. Let me rebuttal with this. Couldn't you change the stimulus at the same time during that deload week by, I guess, obviously decreasing the load itself? Maybe adding another rep or two and then implementing, let's just say, a push press. Absolutely. Or a jerk, too. Absolutely. I, I don't know if, you know, 
I probably would be the, the jerk. You probably right? wouldn't. I mean, jerk? The, I probably wouldn't. I probably, but, like a push press. Uh, or a push jerk or something like that. I want to do a split jerk, excuse me. Yes. Um, could that have been also? It, it could have. A but lot she did have push presses in her regular program at the same time as well. So I was thinking about more so as the snatch was her primary, her compound for that day on her deload, during, for that particular day of her deload. And like I said, it was more so because she's crushing it in the weight room. She's a very, very solid athlete in the weight room. I wanted to see what she do. It was really more so my curiosity than anything else. There's no like, this is why I did it. And you know, and it's the same, same reasoning for Alana as well. Like I said, her clean, her clean improved drastically. And I was trying to challenge her further to see, could she snatch? See, and out of the three, she had the best snatch. And you know, I can respect that too. Because A, again, I respect the fact that you were, you were, you were being honest. You wanted to see. You wanted to test and see. At the same time, too, you were changing, you were changing your stimulus. It was a D-low week. There was different var- variations in her programming that you know, sort of leaned to you choosing that type of lift as her quote-unquote compound lift. The thing that gets me frustrated, and you see it in the private sector. You see it sometimes. Well, actually, you see a decent amount in high school, too. And that's obviously a different demon because you know, certain coaches in high school are let's just say maybe not the most qualified when it comes to, you know, strength and conditioning. And then you also see, but you also see it in college too. I think we get carried away when it comes to these type of lifts, when I'm meaning Olympic lifts, such as the clean, as well as the snatch, where it becomes more of like a sexy factor. All right, how much, like, for instance, perfect example, Saquon Barkley. You saw the infamous video of him cleaning four, uh, four or five. Mm-hmm. Everyone, it's a, it was a strong lift. Mm-hmm. I think mechanically it was horrible. Knee valgus, has no mobility within his shoulders to catch. Wrists were completely in full ex- uh, extension. And, you know, like, let's just say, like, he got the bar, but it was more or less like an, a, when I say Olympic catch, it was he dove right underneath into a deep, deep front squat, which pushes a lot of pressure on his pelvis, on his knees, on his ankles, and all his ankle aversion and stuff like that. Is it inversion or eversion at that point? Uh, I got to see the video again to know yeah. exactly which one he did. When the ankles cave in. Yeah, it's inversion. Inversion. Or e-version, yeah. I'm sorry. It is eversion. Okay, my apologies. So, like, when it comes to that, like, yeah, great. He cleaned 405. Or, you know, you see, I showed you that one video of, uh, of the athlete uh, um, doing the snatch where it was just, like, I don't even want to call it a power movement. It was a strength-based movement because the way he caught it, the way he pulled it. So that is what gets me frustrated when I see a lot of these coaches and experts Again, not discrediting their credibility, especially, you know, at that type of level, you have to have a lot of knowledge and a lot of coaching experience to work in that setting. But it just gets me sort of frustrated because, you know, you see schools like Alabama where they don't implement any type of Olympic lifting. You see schools like Pitt, you know, and again, some a little bit more at a higher level to a degree with sports than others. Um, But again, you see certain schools that don't really push that type of Olympic uh, style. Or is Olympic. that a fact? Alabama doesn't use Olympic no. lifts at uh, all? At the time, the former strength coach, who now is the uh, one of the assistant coaches at Georgia, I forget the gentleman's name, forgive me, but he's a very well-known coach, obviously. But yeah, they, they really didn't implement that much of Olympic lifting. From what I, the information I gathered, I could be almost wrong, though, but from what I saw, I know Pitt, uh, I was informed when at the, uh, at the time when Buddy Morris was the strength coach at Pitt, he never touched Olympic lifting. Too. And he's currently the head strength coach at uh, for the Arizona Cardinals right now too. So it's just again I know it to each their own. But like for me when I see it's a very complex 
lift to master and to teach and i think if you work in the private sector and you're doing that one-on-one setting it's a little bit easy i don't easier in the sense of you have more time to to coach it but then when you have teams of 30 40 50 60 plus athletes and you're trying to implement a lift like that and then at the same time see a type of progression with regards to load and, and whatnot that's where it becomes like a little ridiculous which is also why i like to incorporate them because the majority of the athletes I work with have aspirations to play at the next level. And the Olympic lifts are utilized a lot at the next level. So I do not want any of my athletes, God willing, making it to that level and then being lost in the weight room because they've never been exposed. But if I'm exposing them early, they get there, now they're leading that weight room. Have you have you had athletes that you've trained that have gone on to college and that college setting utilized the Olympic uh, Olympic lifting format? Yes. Uh, in particular, anyone? Uh, Sydney Caldwell. Oh, yeah. At the time, yeah. she was at at the time at ASU, and not to toot my own horn. No, 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 but, but by all means. the strength coach at ASU, as a freshman, said she had the best clean on the team. So, I mean, and when she was working with me, she'd never cleaned before. So imagine I didn't touch it. And then she had to go through a learning phase at ASU when they're they don't they have limited time. So the strength coach there is trying to get them stronger, trying to progress them, but she has she would have had no idea how to do it. So, but they don't have the time to teach either, which is also why I just think it's important that they're exposed early, so they don't have to go through a learning phase on the fly while trying to progress at the same time. Yeah. It was funny. I was uh, speaking to a coach uh, at Fordham, uh, Joseph Gilfeder. Uh, he's the head strength coach at Fordham University, and he would, had mentioned to me that, like, when it comes to, like, the most valuable type of coach, he believes, like, high school to that private sector type of coach is probably the most valuable strength coach to have just because they're the type of coaches to set the foundation, you know? Particularly, like, if you have, like, a high school strength coach, like a legit high school strength coach, because you see a lot of these kids that go on to the next level, and it's just, like, you're working with, you know... A broken down car versus a fine two Ferrari. That's what I mean. The biggest advice you can give to any athlete is find a strength coach early, find a performance coach early. Absolutely. Don't you know? You could be the most gifted athlete in the world, and then you could, you know, get a D one scholarship to a big time school. But if you had that coach, it doesn't mean it's gonna all of a sudden now you're gonna get thirty plus more offers. But it's gonna make your your path and your journey easier when you get to that level. Gotcha. No, I agree. I, I, I completely agree on that. And let me ask you this, though, because this was sort of like rambling in my head as we were talking. When comparing like different programs, let's just use um, Temple in Central Michigan because that's where you went. That's where I went. Let's just say Temple used Olympic lifts and Central Michigan didn't. Do you feel that there is a higher – what's the I'm trying to say? I guess rate of return in the sense of – if Temple implements that type of style of training, they're going to get the most benefit out on the field of play versus a team that doesn't, like Central Michigan. Or like I don't want to say guarantee that, but do you have a high, do you have a high belief that that would be the case? Like if you were the strength coach at Temple, we're going to implement Olympic weightlifting versus you know some coaches that do different variations of sprints, plyometrics, medicine ball work, you know, all well, that stuff. I I would say yes, but it's also because I believe in the lifts. But I don't want to sound like I'm saying the other modalities aren't going to provide results they absolutely will but like i said for my reasons with the olympic lifts like i don't think you can progress them the same so at a certain level you know 
I think Olympic lifts are going to bring them to a higher level. Yes. Will the other ones improve? Of course they'll improve. But I believe in the Olympic style, so I think that will have more improvements. That's my opinion. Now, let me ask you this, though. In like, terms of speed and athletic ability is what I'm saying. Okay, fair enough. Because I was going to say, like, there, I just feel like when it comes to, like, power movements, there are different variations of exercises, not just plyometrics or medicine ball work or, you know, if you're doing, like, parachute jumps. But, I, you know, I, I'm very skeptical on that because there's really no eccentric loading on that. But let's just say, like, a barbell back squat jump, you know? Obviously... A little bit of risk there as well, too, because you're loading up the spine and then you're trying to have athletes, you know, do a proper vertical jump with that. But, like, I feel like there are different uh, variations of exercises that you can increase load, not to the extent, maybe, of an Olympic lift or Mm -hmm. such. But, like, you know, do you think it's necessary for athletes to be trying to clean, you know, triple their body weight or double their body weight? If they're not competing in Olympic lifting, then no. I think it's necessary for them to make sure they're pulling weight efficiently. So like Saquon Barkley, going back to what I mentioned before, him pulling four or five. Mind you, he's a very special athlete. Mind you, he has legs the size of tree trunks. But like for him... Like does he need to be pulling four or five yeah, to be Saquon Barkley? I don't think he needs to be pulling four or five to be Saquon Barkley. Does he have the ability to? Obviously he does because he did get the weight up. He did complete the lift regardless of was it a great lift, was it not a great lift. But does he need to do that on a regular basis? No. No. Gotcha. No. Now, when you train your athletes on it, obviously there, you want some sort of uh, increase in weight you know, as they progress. Fo- as they progress. Um, but is the main focal point the mechanics of it or is it a mixture of both you know, the volume, the intensity, and the mechanics? Well, it's definitely very mechanical and technically driven early. Definitely. And I'm never, I never lose the aspect of that. But as they get more efficient at the lift, better at the lift, then I can start really diving more into, you know, rep schemes, intensities, and changing that things up. But early on, it's definitely all mechanics and techni- technique. Technique early and on. everything like that. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it's, it's crazy because you see some of – you and I have seen on social media where – I mean, even as you're working on the technique and stuff, you're getting benefits. You're getting gains. So you are manipulating reps. Yeah, there's st- still stress on the, on the nervous system and stuff. Yeah, such. but, like, I'm not – overly concerned in the first few weeks of like you know you know did we progress to this weight but blah, blah, blah. i'm not i'm looking at their pulls first sometimes with some athletes you do have to increase and add load in order for that technique to really start hitting home absolutely because sometimes you need to feel the weight on the bar in, in order, order for your body to work the same way because you're gonna get away with a lot of things when the weight is very light right and th- things that you might miss as a coach even but now when there's weight on the bar, all of a sudden, well, why aren't they catching the bar? It's only a five-pound jump. Yeah. Well, the whole time they weren't, you know, they weren't having to pop through the hips the same way the whole time. Absolutely. So sometimes you are pushing up weight a little bit, but obviously, again, you're using your eye, you're watching, you know, you're gauging, yeah. things like that. Yeah, no, understanding so, like, the mechanical aspect of it. But, yeah, I do agree in the sense of, you know, implementing a little bit more weight or increasing the load, at, you know, as the weeks go on. Yeah, obviously, it hits the nervous system differently. At the same time, too, it's going to allow the athlete to pull I guess in in the right sort of format too, because they need to feel that wave. And you're like you said, if they're hitting a 45 pound bar and it's just going straight up hitting them in the chin each time, there's really not you know much of a progression there. Now yeah. you know, you implement the load and the intensity at that point in time. Nice coach. You know you you you've you've sort of pushed me to be a little bit of a believer. Not to say I wasn't, because I have trained some of my athletes in the um, in the exercise itself or in the lift itself. Excuse me. I just feel like. 
for me, I've always been the type of person that's like, my main goal, and I, I believe, obviously, it's everyone's main goal, is, you know, injury prevention when it comes to our athletes. Obviously, you want to see them progress on the field from an athletic standpoint, from a performance standpoint, but at the same time, too, availability is the number one key when it comes to youth, high school, college, professionals, because, you know, if you're not available, you're no good to anyone. So I, I just feel 100%. like... So I feel sometimes, I guess, when I so started seeing you really dive more into the Olympic lifting years back and then started seeing you go into different variations, like like the snatch and stuff, I was just like, what But the again, hell? it's only been three athletes. True. No, I've been, snatch, I've been working yes, for yes. over 10 years. There's only been three athletes in that 10-year span. So, And it, it, I'm just probably going to stay there. Yeah. And again, <laughs> you know? this is not just directly towards you, but I'm just seeing like other coaches as well too where you get, you know, whether it be college coaches, just getting, you know, brand new freshmen coming in and then all of, all of a sudden having them, you know, perform that type of lift in that type of big setting where it's not more attention to detail versus what you you and I do. But even so, you see a lot of these other coaches in the private sector. I mean, remember you showed me that one video, it, 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 like that one athlete just cleaning. And it was, I mean, I couldn't even explain what it was. I don't even know if it was like a swing, a catch, a pull. The worst part about it is the coach was saying, good, after every rep. Good job. There you go. Good. It's like, no, that's terrible, man. It's terrible. I, you know, the, the, the thing that sort of grinds my gears about this is like, all right, fine. If that's how you coach it, A, that's fucked up. B, like, you better hope to God that, you know, someone says something to you or that athlete does not pull a vertebrae. But at the same time, too, you're going to post that on social media. Well, the athlete posted it. The coach didn't. But, but not that it makes it right. That's still on the coach because you're allowing the, that athlete to believe yeah. that 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 what they're doing is correct. Yeah. Do you ever like get to that point where you just want to come and be like, or like message that athlete, be like, hey, you know, not just you know sound like a douchebag, but like, I, I think you're really gonna hurt yourself if you do this. You know, if you ever want to train with me, or not even say that, like train with me, but like, you know, if if you ever need any sort of inf you know guidance on how to properly do that lift, like um. Feel free to reach out or anything like that. Or do yeah, you you just know, I'm, not, just... I'm not here to make enemies in the industry or try to step on coaches. No, but you also so I might to... see something and be like, you know, that's that's awful. Yeah, that's call out terrible. the bullshit for sure. But I'm not, I'm not gonna, you know, all of a sudden start hitting people up saying, "Hey, I saw you work with this coach, and what you're doing is pretty bad. Come work with me." That's not the kind of person I am, but I will acknowledge when something is bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just feel like sometimes it's like we're, I'm on that fine line like you, where it's like. Obviously, I'm not here to, like, destroy anyone's reputation or to, like, make enemies in this industry because that's obviously not helpful. But at the same time, too, like, I am to the point where, I, you know, I've been in this industry a decent amount of time where I'm not afraid to call out bullshit. I'm not saying I'm better than you as a coach. I'm not saying I know more than you as a coach. But, like, if I see something that's not right and, I'm you know, other people are saying the same thing, it's probably not fucking right at that point in time. Yeah. So... Well, how long were we, uh, we do this podcast for? 30 minutes. 30 minutes. First podcast back since, gosh. I don't remember when. Like maybe like five months ago. I don't That's remember. That's your fault. Pardon the, the frustration. You know, pardon the, uh, I'm frustrated. How about that? Frustrated <laughs> at you. Appreciate the free promo, though. Keep saying it. <laughs> yeah, pardon the frustration. Pardon uh, my frustration. Oh, yeah. Pardon Coach Dan's frustration. CoachDanPerformance.com. Uh, Adam Boss Performance. I don't have the dot com. I'm trying to work on that website as well too. Let's you go. Know, let's get it. There you, you know, go. You know, repping out the brand. You know, underneath the flagship of Parisi's is where, which is where Coach Dan and I work. Shout out to Bill Parisi and the Parisi staff here in Fairlawn. Guys, this is another episode of the Coach's Table. We hope you enjoyed yourself, Coach Dan. Any part in? Uh, 
No, I'm good. Finishers? I'm good. We're good. I think we covered a lot. All right. Peace out, guys. Thank you.